We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... And welcome to the Lindley Evans Music Studio at the ABC in Ultimo for Thank God It's Friday. I'm Richard Glover and this week with the music, it's Virginia Gay from Funny Girl. And our panel, Tommy Dean, Mandy Nolan and Ellen Briggs. And our wonderful audience this week, drawn from Bathurst to Rimba, Valor Beach, Berry. Manana Beach and all the other beaches and all the other beaches. <laughs> I couldn't read my own writing. Oh, <laughs> Holgarth, Holgate, Hol. Oh, well, that was good. Uh, now the news from yes. This week it's a musical news mm. from nowhere. Mm. Mr. James Valentine is here mm. with his son Roy. Yeah. Mm, yes, Welcome. thank you. Thank you, Richard. And thank you for giving me an opportunity just to, uh, to you know, try out some of my work. You know, when, when one's in the process of creating, and at the moment I'm working on a, on a rock opera, um, <laughs> it's very important to get to just try out the work for an audience. And so, so, uh, so the rock opera, what, 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 what topic is it about? Uh, the, the title is The Tragedy of Leon Helm the Great. Um, <laughs> uh, we will, you've seen some of this tragedy playing out in public this week. And uh, Leon, Leon Helm is a character whose tragedy is that he wakes each morning and there he is. Um, and there's a, it's a tragedy we all share. It's the universal tragedy. Uh, we either, you know, we die or we are. And this is what, uh, what Leon Helm experiences day after day. He also experiences the great tragedy of his every utterance is completely incomprehensible to anybody else. Um, and that, that, that too is a great tra- tragedy. So this is the... Uh, I call so you've, the... you've been working your way through all of David Lionelm's speeches? Oh, yeah, the talks, riveting or... work, riveting work. And they'll, they'll all be... T- I'm going to put most of them to music. It'll be a, a marvellous thing. So this is, uh, this is the, uh, the aria which will close Act 2. It's the uh, Misandry aria. And so it... Uh, so Peak, he's found his life's purpose, he's found his life's work, and, uh, you know, he's singing with great exultation about uh, what, he's, what he's going to achieve. I'm calling out Missandry. It's spreading fast throughout the land. I'm doubling down on Missandry, or there won't be a woman left who likes a man. They say that it doesn't exist, as if hating men is not sexist. But if it's not Tom, Dick, or Billy, but just everyone with a willy, then that kind of sounds the same as a misogynist. That's why I'm calling out misandry, and I call on all men who dare to say out loud, that's misandry. And men who don't need to grow a pair For there's men who hate men, I don't exaggerate Imagine a man who hates all men, what an emasculate If that's your position political, then I call you hypocritical 
If you don't pull out your manhood and self-castrate. That's why I'm calling out Cassandra. Is the last taboo, let's make a stand. It's time's up for Sandry. Hashtag men to be a fan of man. 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 Roy Valentine on piano. James Valentine in rock musical mode. That was a very big finish, wasn't oh, it? Very big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can see Virginia Gay over there and she's going, oh man, that's a big voice. I can't compete with that. Yeah. You know, well, sure. well, James, she's, she's a girl. I ain't she's a girl. That's right. No chance. Yeah. No chance. Yeah, yeah. Can I, can I say, James, I, I spent yeah. a lot of time in my youth in uh, local Summerstock Theatre mm. and you are every audition I've ever seen. Thank that you. Was... Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I thought the leotard really brought out, yeah, you know, some was... great qualities there. You know, that was really right on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that was fantastic. Please thank James and Roy. <laughs> David Lionelhelm, the musical will be coming to a very small theatre near you. That's <laughs> Uh, Tommy Dean, Mandy Nolan and Ellen Briggs are here. Welcome, you lot. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. That that was very moving, wasn't it? Uh, Now, let's uh, check you up with this week's news. Who is going to get his own float when he visits London? What a lovely thing, his own float. It's exciting. Mm. It's exciting. What I I love the most, of course, is the fact that uh, in London, uh, Donald Trump, uh, the asterisk president of the United States, is going to uh, be visiting. And they not only built a float that looks like a giant man-baby of Donald Trump, they did it with crowdfunding. (laughs) (laughs) So they set up a website to raise the money for it, and they thought they might get a bit of it, and they got all of it times (laughs) ten. And built the greatest man-baby float ever. Okay, so it's a large balloon that looks like Donald Trump if Donald Trump was a baby in a nappy. Yeah. What do you mean? I don't and know what you mean if he was a baby in a nappy. And there was some controversy because they thought, oh, well, the mayor of London will ban this because it's so, uh, you know, a foreign leader visiting it. The mayor of London said, oh, yes. <laughs> the mayor of London today approved it. I think, I think it's amazing. I just love the fact that protests can actually be approved by a mayor. It looks like something that should go into the Tate Gallery. It's fantastic. <laughs> they couldn't like, fit it. I know. I thought with the way he treats babies overseas, they should just not let him in. Um, anyway, just keep him out and just keep the blimp up. Huh. And perhaps the, mayor, perhaps the mayor actually approved it because it also looks a little bit like the ex-mayor Boris Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so he's kind of getting both of them in one float. But he's dressed in a nappy. That's a bit cruel, isn't it? Well, I think that's probably how he dresses. It's really mean to babies. Um, I think babies are really offended um, because babies are a group that don't have their own spokesperson. I don't think they want him to be it. Okay, but when they're putting on the nappy onto the large balloon, if they get the pin wrong... I'm really hoping the way it really works totally for me is if they somehow like, attach a basket to it. Hmm. And then trick him into stepping into it. <laughs> and then have him floating up into the air in a basket underneath his giant man. Oh, that'd be gorgeous. Oh, that would be fantastic. And then he just goes, I reckon he's going to love it. 
I think he'll miss the fact it's a, it's a protest and he'll think it's a celebration. Um, just Sorry, that's a good point, actually. You can see that. Yeah, they wouldn't put up a, they wouldn't put up a float of cheating Hillary. <laughs> Nobody made a float of her. I don't see any Barack Obama balloons. That's a Donald Trump balloon right up there. Yeah. The, right the up ego there. will win in the end. Uh, now, who put the slam into slam dunk this week? Well, that was the uh, the Aussie um, basketball team, the, the Boomers playing um, the Philippines team. It went a bit crazy. It was amazing. I'm a bit of a basketballer myself, so I do. I mean, I, I know that I've broken someone's nose before in a game. I just got a little bit annoyed. You don't do you mean- play for the Philippines? Uh, <laughs> no, I play for Australia. Uh, but it, it they kind of got. Look, it just went nuts. It, like turned into like this kind of weird episode of kung fu fighting where people were just sort of like punching each other. I thought it would actually made like they really went. It was the third quarter. I think Australia was up, and they just went. Something happened. I couldn't even work out what happened, but they just all went. Crazy! Right. I thought that's when you need. Well, I think to... the Philippines put down an Australian player unfairly, and then one of the Australian players yeah. did the yes. elbow, that's and then all hell broke loose. There is another suggestion that they found out, or there was rumours uh, that the Australian basketball team was dealing drugs. <laughs> so therefore, the prime minister said, "You got to kill them all right now." That's yeah, the way it works. Sorry. It was pretty full on, though. There were members from the crowd coming in and actually uh, yeah. getting chairs over their head and it thwacking was, the It boomers. was very low-quality fighting, really, when it comes to sport, wasn't it? You know, rugby league players have it all over them. That was kind yeah. of like little kids slapping each other, but giant No, well, they, the rugby, our rugby players are going to hold a course for the boomers, saying this yeah, is Yeah, I think they it. need to. I think they need to. But, you know, basketball hasn't been – it's kind of taken – it's starting to get a bit more, you know, sort of a notice again. So this could actually make it more – people are actually talking about basketball for the first time in a long yeah. time. I, I think for some of the wrong reasons. Yeah, we could call it basket brawl, where at any point you just have to just start a fight with the other team. It gives a lot of tension that the game didn't have before. And, and when did you play? You were, you were a quite a, an aggressive player, were you? I, I played for Queensland. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, not anymore. Um, they don't... Um, but, you know, you never know. I might come, come back because I reckon I... I'd quite enjoy that, mm. um, getting in there. Because when you don't have skill, you just have to use violence. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's sad. I mean, granted, you know, you know at, a ser- at a serious level, there's quite an indictment on, you know, how serious we take our sport and how things get out of hand, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the one thing I thought was nice uh, is that one of, the, of all the umpires in the world that take the most flack... It's basketball umpires. People are on them on every call, on every play, at every level of the sport. And so when they had their chance, it was good to see that they threw a couple of punches. <laughs> Get out some of that aggression. Look, finally, I must steal a, a joke from Tom Ballard because he said this week that, you know, they played the footage of the, of the fight and he said, I haven't seen boomers this this angry since they started talking about changing negative gearing. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't bad. Which wasn't bad. Uh, now, uh, who is, who is uh, banking on some fat profits after bringing an American innovation to Australia? Oh, this is a doctor who is setting up a clinic that he can sack, suck the fat out of you when you're 30 and put it into storage to this use it later when you're 60 to put it back in, but... I would have just thought you'd just eat when you're 60 <laughs> and get fat the fun way. Um, yeah, no, this is true. This is a Melbourne, a, yeah. a Melbourne plastic surgeon. Uh, his, his name is Dr Daniel Lancer and apparently this is well-used technology mm. in America. No one's set up a fat bank in Australia yet, but that, he's going to do it. That, that 
is just repulsive. Like that is like you've got three quarters of the world starving, and we're so affluent. We're setting up a fat bank. I mean, I've already went. Well, I've already started mine. Uh, it's amazing. I went. I'm not overweight, darling. I'm saving. Uh, <laughs> This is a personal deposit scheme, is it? No interest. Oh, no, we've had that for a while. But, yeah, but that, that is, like, you have to look at that and actually go, if there's any kind of, if, if there's a kind of a, a watermark that shows that your culture has really reached a point of being absolutely reprehensible in its behaviour, it would be having a fat bank. Um, you, know. you see, he says that when you're, when you're young, you might want it removed, and then when you're older, you might want to fill in the little wrinkles on your face, you see. Oh. With, you the know, so is. the stuff that he took off your bum 30 years ago is back on your lips when you're 60. <laughs> I get, oh. so, so you are literally kissing <laughs> your own ass, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think the danger here is that he is setting up a fat bank. So my concern would be is that most of your fat would be eaten up in fees. <laughs> <laughs> If it, was a, if it was a fat credit union, yeah. I would feel better about it. We do need to get the Banking Royal Commission on <laughs> to this particular fat bank. Uh, Tommy D, Mandy Nolan and Ellen Briggs are here. Mandy uh, and Ellen have written this fantastic book called Women Like Us and they're touring a stage show based on the book at the moment. You can see them at uh, Laurelton Services Club next Friday the 13th, at Club Foster on July 14th, at the Bayview here in Sydney on July 18th. And if you're in Woolgoolga, uh, they'll be with you on Saturday. July 21. You can find more on their website, womenlikeus.com.au. Now, the government has this week released a new method for distributing the revenue collected by the GST. Have you fallen asleep yet? (laughs) Stay with me. The basic idea is horizontal fiscal equalisation. I told you it would get funny. The idea of horizontal fiscal equalisation is that no state should be better off than any other state. Presumably, we shouldn't just do it with money, though. So what else should be transferred between the various states and territories to make for a more equal Australia? Tommy Dean. Well, there's so many things. Uh, first off, uh, I, I was, I've, I've always been a fan of horizontal. Fiscal. <laughs> fiscal. Oh, no, just horizontal. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> Vertical is so trying. <laughs> and acute angles are just not my thing. <laughs> Once you get horizontal, you know that the good things are going to happen. That's where the naps are. So that's handy. Uh, so that's nice. I, I actually, for years, had preached that what we should have done for proper GST uh, remuneration to the various states is uh, use what I call the parade method, uh, where we simply send up a balloon uh, with clowns in it, and they just throw money out of the basket as they fly over the state. Just randomly throw it out. That would be great fun. Wouldn't that mean that the larger states get more? I don't. I never got it past the planning (laughs) stage. (laughs) But to be fair, I was only using $2 coins. So I thought it would reduce the population of some (laughs) point. So that that would also equalize the states. Uh, Why Why should the populous states... Okay, but why should it only be money? Exactly. I think uh, for too long, Melbourne has had too many good hipster baristas. Yep. So we should collect some of them up and ship them off. We need them in regional towns where they still think Nescafe can be turned into a latte. So it's horizontal barista equalization. Horizontal baristering. Get those guys out there. We need some of that. Uh, We need need better fruit. 
applications. I, I think there's too many good fruits in the big cities. I think we gotta, we're going to balance it out. We need to get the avocados. If we're going to really use the avocados to shame the millennials, <laughs> we got to get it out to all the regions yeah. so even country millennials know what they're missing out on. Because all, all the avocados are, are, are grown up your way. That's Mandy right. and we Ellen's grow way. Them all. They grow them all. And we don't share them with you, Tommy. Right. It's all north coast of New South Wales, south coast of Queensland. Oh, yeah. They're like 20 cents there. Yeah. yeah. It's like oh, we just throw them at each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think we should share around old people. A bit better. There what, is, instead of having them all in Tasmania? Or, or Queensland. And, you know, there was that big story this week um, about that huge crime wave hitting Dubbo. Mm-hmm. I think if you send a whole lot of nanas to Dubbo, nobody does anything wrong in front of a nana <laughs> or in front of the Country Women's Association. They're the most terrifying women uh, in Australia. Yeah. Uh-huh. Get them out. It's like a neighbourhood watch thing. Yeah, yeah. There's too many in Queensland. They've got all the good real estate. They're right on the beach. They don't even go to the beach. Okay, so Melbourne gives us there. 10 baristas. We give Tasmania some money. Tasmania gives us back some nanas. It's going well already. Mm-hmm. We've got it sorted. Yeah. Mandy? Yeah, well, I don't know. I was thinking, you know, we could all share Pauline Hanson. You could do like a, it's like a pass the parcel, but no. no, I don't think you should just leave Queensland with it. You could swap with <laughs> David Linehill. Um, they could do like a swapsie, like a, like a wife swap, you know, that sort of wife swap program. They could get married, wouldn't that be terrifying? But I, I, um, I think they are ideologically. Uh, but I think the big things, you know, like the big things all around Australia, like swap it up, like suddenly put the big pineapple down in Melbourne, oh, like yes. uh, just wake up one day, the big mm. cow is somewhere else. Oh, and the big um, oyster in Alice Springs. Yeah, like just <laughs> just move the big things around because I think, you know, the big, like we live near the big prawn and I tell you what, there is nothing like, I always imagine how you got a development application in for something like a 30 metre high orange crustacean, uh, what the environmental impact So where is it, Ballina or something? Is yeah, it? yeah, it's Ballina. Yeah. So I think that definitely like, you know, it, it would have to go inland or perhaps into, you know, sort of right in the heart, maybe on top of Centrepoint Tower, like a shish kebab. Then you think it should go inside the giant curtain rod? (laughs) (laughs) That's a traditional place to put prawns. That's a great idea. So stink it out. Uh, That's not a bad idea. We could do that in Canberra. Uh, (laughs) And all the politicians could say, something's whiffy around here. I thought it was us. I think think that's not a a bad idea. Um, Yeah, so I think, think, you know, that's a great idea. We have, um, you know, there's lots of really good festivals and parades. Like the the Sydney Mardi Gras Mm. is... The best. Um, oh, you can't have that. You can't move. No, we've got, we've got to take it other places. There's other places that the Mardi Gras has changed the culture of Sydney. You've got to take it to places that need changing. Um, and put it in. You know, I don't know. Maybe Bundaberg. Yeah, Bundaberg, Ipswich, in Queensland. Um, maybe. <laughs> I'd be great for Tasmania. Uh, <laughs> Like, don't even, don't even like send it. Like that, that should just be the whole parade. It should start yeah. at Oxford Street and <laughs> it just, just go. keep going. <laughs> oh yeah, all around the country. Why do like, we it's do? It's a nonstop, twenty-four hour yeah. floats on the highway. I think that's great. Like a big lap yeah. of of the whole of Australia. Like, and you have to make a human bridge to get over to Tassie. Yeah, uh, there's not going to be a lot of glitter left by the end. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, there'll be a lot of glitter. Um, so yeah, so I, I think. Yeah, I think, I think that's quite the feel. I actually feel that sort of sense of celebration. Like Nimbin's got the Mardi Gras up where we are, which is like the Mardi Gras. They do throw stuff out, Tommy. Yeah. Instead of throwing money out, they actually throw joints out into the ground. And um, people would, they're just too slow to get them. Uh, <laughs> mainly the police get them. We have Tommy Dean, Mandy Nolan and Ellen Briggs. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. 
with Richard Lover. We also have our wonderful audience. Uh, if you want to join the audience, all you've got to do is Google TJF ABC and you'll find out how you can join the audience. Grab your free tickets to come here to the ABC in Ultimo. Uh, you can also, at the same place, find out about the free TJF podcast. Subscribe to that and you'll get TJF every week. Now, of course, when our audience comes, they throw these random topics onto this chocolate wheel. Today's topics for Tommy Dean are driverless car, road trips, arrive late. Dean, Tremor, Cat, Flip-Flop, Cobbler, Cobbler, yeah, Petersham, Picks, as in as Picks is. and Vandals, yeah, Saxons, yeah, uh, Bonfire, Mulch, Weeds, Sailing. Yeah. These are weird words. Yeah, weird. Where, where are you people from? Which fill you full of fear, Tommy? Uh, I would say the Picks. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know enough about my European history. Yeah. Well, they are called the Dark Ages for a reason. You know? yeah. I think here we go. Round and round and round it goes where it stops, no one knows. Today's topic for Tommy. I keep on forgetting someone's put yeah, WD-40 really, in this. I keep on forgetting. It goes oh, Spin, let me tell you a funny story. Spin, spin. <laughs> All right. It is driverless car. Yes. Driverless. Uh, Who suggests a driverless car? Come on, admit to it. Who was it? Who was it? Someone must yeah. have. Mm. Uh, yeah. I've been, I've been a carless driver. It's called a hitchhiker. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was. It's, it's interesting that it comes up as driverless car uh, because a lot of people don't know this. That's how the picks actually invaded. <laughs> was, then the technology was lost to the ages. I am so excited. I have to say, uh, I am so. I, when the first time they mentioned driverless cars, I was skeptical. Uh, but now that my son has just turned 16, I want them now. <laughs> I want them so very now. Uh, every, every hour that I spend with him, with his L plates, teaching him the various things that must be learned to survive Sydney makes me think there's no way we can program a car with that much knowledge. <laughs> I don't know how to survive. Learning how to drive a car is simple. Uh, the wheel turns left and right. The brake stops it. The accelerator makes it go. Here's the signal. That's how you make the windscreen wiper go on. Pretty much job done. 98% of driving is trying to understand why all of Sydney is a giant jerk. <laughs> when they get behind the wheel. And part of me, because also I have driven in Sydney for so long and am so used to the jerkiness of Sydney driving and how to react to it and how to occasionally be part of it. Because I don't want to make myself innocent. I know when it's time to be a jerk and when it's time to let the jerks go. We all have our time to play. I am hoping that driverless cars are programmed with asshole technology. <laughs> so that every now and then, just as you're pulling up, a driverless car will block the intersection that you're trying to get out of. And I'm hoping the car has some sort of lighting display to let you know it knows. <laughs> I'm in a little bit of a hurry here. <laughs> Got to get this guy somewhere. I'm really, I am looking forward to it. I am wondering, uh, part of me admire, I, like I think I'm always kind of concerned that robots will take over the world. And driverless cars, I have this terrible feeling uh, that will like, at first it'll be very classic servant. You know, you'll say, hey car, I need to go to the location that I want to go to. And for a little while it'll be nice. We'll all arrive where we want to go and we'll be a little bit less stressed because we don't have to deal with the driving. We could read a nice book on the way, have a little nice thought, eat a hamburger. It'd be nice. We could text again. Wouldn't it be fun to text in a car again? <laughs> I'll be there soon. Text, not worried about it. But then I'm thinking the cars will be like, you know, I don't want to go. 
I don't want to go to Bunnings. I want to see the giant prawn. <laughs> and that is how I think we will redistribute population eventually. <laughs> the computers will work out that the regional centers need a few more doctors, so the next time a doctor gets in after his shift, boom! <laughs> Straight to mall buggy, Doug, Doug. <laughs> I apologize. I could not, for the life of me, think of a single regional center I've been in <laughs> that might need a doctor, but I knew it started Caratha. with... Yeah, Carotha would be good. They need doctors. Uh, that'd be great. Um, and then I love the idea that maybe one day, wouldn't it be even more fun? They're even so sentient that just one day you go outside and there's no cars anywhere. Yeah. You don't know where any of them went. They all just went somewhere. Like birds on migration. They just ended up in another place. We don't even know where they went. What a glorious day that'll be. Everyone will call in sick for work. Can't make it to work. My car is not here. And nobody will answer at work because no one came in because there's no cars. <laughs> My point is I am looking forward to driverless car technology. I think it will make the world a much better place. A much better place. And, uh, and, I, and I, do we have to buy them? Apparently. Terrible place. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to uh, the horizontal fiscal policy. <laughs> Eventually distributing money such that the states will buy us all driverless cars. Yeah. You would just replace the whole fleet, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Yeah. But you well, have to buy be, the would car. Wouldn't it be terrible to be a driverless car salesman? You know, the great thing about this car is, really, you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like trying to sell a hotel room. Well, the seat's really comfortable. Do you want it? <laughs> seat's nice. You want it in red, blue? What would you care anymore? <laughs> like that entire hour that Philip Clark does every night about talking motors. Well, you had to have that car drive on its own. It was fine. <laughs> Look at a rack and pinion. Why do I don't know what that means? The rack and pinion? I don't know. Be, all those words would be lost to us. There'd be no more torque. We wouldn't care so much about what sort of high end it gets. You know, it's very sporty. It really gets you around town in a hurry. Yeah, they'll still break down. Then you have to fix them. Well, certainly not. Wouldn't I break down? No, because then the driverless NRMA car would come. <laughs> but someone's, some, someone at some point has got to, like the dry, you have to get out of the back seat, open the bonnet, and like a typical Australian man, look in and pretend you understand it. Well, yeah, but maybe they'll just be able to stand beside it and look plaintive. <laughs> <laughs> and then the driverless tow truck will come up. <laughs> just pull it up on the back. Then another driverless car would come along and keep going. Because, yeah. you know, it's in jerk mode. Screw you. <laughs> Tommy Dean, ladies and gentlemen. Does he die? Does he die? Does he die? No! No! He lives on Thank God It's Friday. Thank God It's Friday. TJF, uh, Tommy Dean, Mandy Nolan, Ellen Briggs are here. Now, the head of St Andrew's <laughs> School in Sydney has written a letter to parents telling them that they've got to stop shouting out and uh, shouting out and threatening teachers. It's a, it's a further sign, people have been saying this week, of a culture in which parents believe that children are always in the right, their children are perfect, and the teachers are always in the wrong. <laughs> Did you get in trouble at school? And whose side were your parents on? And do you believe that your own kids are always in the right? Mandy. Uh, yeah, I did. I got in trouble. It was weird because I was a really good kid at school. And in, and yes, in Queensland, we finished it. We started. We were missing a year anyway. I don't know if it That's shows. That's clear. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, 
I accidentally, I, on the, you know, the last day of school, they make all the kids clean the furniture. Um, for some reason, that happens. No. Do they? they do. Well, I went. Well, at the Catholic school, they do. That's a Queensland. Thing. Anyway, I was hosing some um, chairs, and there was a nun teaching up in a window, and I just went, "I've got a hose. There's a nun." And <laughs> it's like a reflex. It just went up slowly, and I just couldn't take my arm off. Like I was hosed the nun for a while, and the nun, like watching the nun freak out. It was the moment I knew I wanted to be a comedian. Like just watching. <laughs> And I got, I got actually, I got um, expelled on the last day of school <laughs> and then invited back the next day because my mum um, my, my was furious that I'd hosed a nun. Uh, was it in a country town? That's not what you do. People think, you know, because we were on water restrictions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I should have used Chardonnay. Uh, <laughs> you see, if that was now, the parent would be on your side. They'd say, oh, well, no, Mandy's perfect. I know because I had a similar thing. I mean, my daughter came home from school. Like this is the one that's twenty three, and she was her whole. She was fourteen, and a whole school bag smelt like wine. And she goes, oh, "There's a boy in the bus, and he um, he brought a goon sack on, which is the little silver bag with the wine. That's that's child for you know goon sack." And and then I was furious. I rang up the bus driver, and it was turned out it was her. I uh, told me at her 18th birthday, laughing now she could legally drink, that I had gone in, got stuck into the bus driver, wanted to speak to the parents of the boy with the goon sack. Anyway, I just kind of, I just stayed with the story. Um, he felt bad about it. But, you know, you do go in, you go into bat, you know. I don't think Ellen does, do you? No, never. No, no I, she doesn't. I assume that my kids are in every bit of trouble. You're on the, side of, the, you're, you're on the side of the teachers. Absolutely. And my kids are really, my, I've got, I've got nerds without the intellect. Um, <laughs> like they're really straight. It's very disappointing. You know, I look at my husband and go, why aren't they out smoking dope like all the other kids? What did we do wrong? How um, are they allowed to so live I, on the north coast them, of our glorious state? In that, well, that's as, the question I ask. And I want them to get in trouble, so I'm always trying to involve them. You know, like if I hear something happened at school, I go, you, you, you did that, didn't you? I'm going to call the teacher and say it was you. <laughs> Maybe they were moved there as part of the pothead equalisation scheme. <laughs> well, we often say that we got a government grant to move to Mullumbimby to increase the gene pool. Because <laughs> it's a little bit like that. I know. Yeah. It is. But I know when I was at school, I, I used to get in trouble a lot and... I remember, you know, I actually talk about now how, you know, I'll get a call to say my children have a headache at school and can I pick them up because they're that soft. And I think <laughs> if, my, if my mother got a call to say I had a headache at school, if she came to pick me up, which is highly unlikely, but I wouldn't have had a headache by the time I got home. I probably would have had a head injury. <laughs> um, so so I'm your, your, mother, like my your mother. mother always assumed you were in the wrong? I was always in the wrong. <laughs> I was. Yeah, very, very bad. Tommy, who, you know, were your, did your parents, if you did anything wrong, were they on the side of the teachers or on your side? No, no, they were on the side of the teachers. Uh, they, they, we, we, we were, you know, raised in classic Baptist small town severeness. So yeah. teacher is right. Uh, the, the, you know, like the, in order of like authority, it was the uh, mom, God, <laughs> the teachers, dad. Yeah. <laughs> that was like the general order. Like, so you just didn't, you didn't, you just didn't muck up. Like, like we were, my, you know, we were, I, I, my, my parents, my, well, my mom wasn't like a, like a abusive, but, but she was not afraid to use a wooden spoon outside of the cake bowl. You know, like, it, 
we got a whack every now and then. And so yeah. you knew, you know, and then like from the early age, you just did not mess with authority. Uh, I still get hives when I drive past a random breath test <laughs> because cops are right on the top. They're just under dad, cop dad. <laughs> and I don't even drink. I, I've never drank. I don't drink alcohol at all. And as soon as I see cops on the side of the road, please don't pull me over. Please don't pull me over. Something I did, something I know I But did there something. must be something. See, I think psychologically sure. there must be something you feel guilty about. And you're sublimating your guilt about this other thing into a guilt about drinking even though you don't drink. That is, that is probably true. <laughs> I don't know if we have the time to work it out. In the next 10 it's minutes. a random guilt test. If you're a Catholic, you're never going to get through it. Yeah. <laughs> when you blow in the bag, there's a lot of guilt yeah. in there. I think probably it's how I'm worried about. Yeah. There's so many jokes about in comedy about what comics do when they get pulled over to random breath yeah, test. Yeah. And I think of all the funny things that you can do. And what I mostly say is, yes, sir. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five. Six. Is that far enough? Seven. Eight. No, sir, I did not. No, I will never drink again. Thank you. Uh, most of the kids in Mullumbilly right. fail the test, not because they're drunk, but because they can't count. They can't count. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but yeah. they can actually felt up to ten. Yeah. They can make felt like <laughs> macrame stuff. And oh, you should see the kites. Yeah, you should see them craft so up good. to ten. Yeah. <laughs> but I was scared. You know, so I was always scared, so I never, I never got in trouble. Um, but I don't know. My children don't seem to have it in them either. My girls are actually very good. Uh, it's actually kind of embarrassing to go to. We just, in fact, got done with one of them parent teacher night. Mm-hmm. And mostly you just rock up to hear that, oh, she's just so good. She just she does everything right. She's studying. She's getting great reports. You just nod sagely. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the genes will out. It's what I do. It's what I do. Yeah. Uh, except for my son. I just don't, I don't, I send my wife to those. <laughs> Very wise. <laughs> the children of these three are getting a hammering. Are they? It, is, it is really hard, though, when you're at a parent-teacher at night and it's really clear the teacher doesn't like your child. You know, it, it, that happens at times. And you, and Mandy I'm, has got 17 children, yeah, so yeah. if they're listening, they it's won't okay. know which one she's talking I, I about. I never make it specific which child it is. It's 17 children to about 15 different fathers. Um, <laughs> I'm like the GST distributor. <laughs> <laughs> Distributing the eggs. Yeah, and it's always horizontal. <laughs> I bet and, it's not. Yes, and fiscal. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of fiscal going on. Uh, <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, <laughs> I think I just blushed. Thank God it's <laughs> Friday. Tommy Dean, Mandy Nolan and Ellen Briggs are here and our wonderful audience. Thank you for coming. Now, it is uh, the new financial year, so here's my question. Uh, where did you go wrong last year and what are your new, financial year, your new financial year's resolutions in order to do better this year? Ellen. Um, I went wrong knowing that it was the financial year end <laughs> and this year I'll try and do that better. But I'm you probably, didn't even know it was. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I'm flat out even re- getting the first of January right, um, <laughs> so I'm not really that fussed on the the end of the financial year. So you weren't you weren't running down to office works to buy extra no. things so you could claim. The, oh, no. this is great to hear because Ellen's been she's taken over our account. I have. <laughs> <laughs> is it the end of the financial year? I just really struggle with, you know, when you're doing it, you're going, now is it 16, 17 or is it 17, 18? It confuses me. Am I the only one? No, good, good. So, look, it's, um, I would like the end of financial years 
Why don't they just make them calendar years? It would make it a lot yes, easier, wouldn't it? I don't know why it? it's like that, actually. It's because the accountants want to feel <laughs> special for once. That's right. And they then... want their special day, don't they, the accountants? Because otherwise they just blend into oblivion. Imagine if they do, though. You go, you know how you go to the supermarket to get the Santa photo? They'd just be an accountant, accountant sitting on a chair. Photo. <laughs> <laughs> you get your photo with the accountant. Yeah, That's end fantastic. End of financial year, accountant Santa photo. <laughs> and you tell him what you want. Yeah, and you can claim it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you good, you, Ellen? Do you think you're good with money, though? I am good with money. I'm quite frugal. Mm. Some say tight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I am good with money. I just I'm not good with dates. That's mm. a, that's my problem, probably. Uh, so, 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 Mandy, did, uh, did you go well last financial year? Are you going to do better? She doesn't know yet because I do the account. She just told me <laughs> what I've done. I just resent this whole kind of pressure of the tax department. Like, I, I have a fight with them all the time because it always surprises me because when you've got to pay tax, I'm like, again, I paid that last time. <laughs> Jimmy and I have to do it again. And then I started, like, last time the guy from the tax department got really paternalistic with me and he goes, you have to start putting it aside. And I went, you're not my dad. <laughs> and then I went, are you? <laughs> <laughs> but it is... It, I kind of resent the fact that they, well, particularly when you're a creative person, I'm not good at figures, etc. Like, well, I'm not great. So I'm like, I'll get my stuff in time. Give me a bit of leeway. But could you do some creative freeform verse? Uh, because there's this real expectation that I should be able to fulfil a skill role. Um, that a skill set that I don't have, yet there's no expectation of the uh, person on the other end of the line at the tax department to, to tell a good joke or do a backflip. And I think that needs to be levelled up. I think we should have an expectation of them um, to actually even it up. And apparently you can't claim cushions, um, and I do buy a lot. Uh. Well, there is that point on the form, isn't there, when they say name of spouse, and you say, extra pages, please. <laughs> <laughs> No, and then I can claim the pages. Um, <laughs> Tommy, do you, uh, did you have a good financial year? Are you planning to to operate things differently this financial year? I uh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I've never understood financial years either. Um, it gets even more confusing when you have to factor in the end of the Chinese financial year. <laughs> that throws me off. <laughs> um, very confused by all of it. Uh, no, I don't understand it at all. I actually get caught out. Uh, uh, we get a very small stipend uh, for doing this show, and the woman who runs the accounts for TGIF, uh, she always sends me an angry, angry is about terse, terse, a politely terse email reminding me that I need to invoice her uh, for having done the show. And I've done the show for 10 years <laughs> or more. And not so, invoiced. Well, you would think. You would yeah. think that after 10 years of weekly reminders... <laughs> Wow, might Tommy, to so me. that's why they have to sell the ABC, <laughs> to pay your debt. Yeah. And the debt's <laughs> only no, I don't about, think it's the opposite. The whole debt's about 200 bucks. Yeah, that's so. right. <laughs> it feels like they shouldn't have to do cutbacks because I never get my money. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, don't, I truly don't understand it. And I've never understood the end of the financial year sale. I don't quite understand. Okay, the idea is that you go to the stationery shop. And no, you I mean, buy I get what, it. You buy your stuff. You buy your, I bought an office chair. I bought an office chair. And so then I can claim the office chair mm. quite quickly against my tax yeah, yeah. rather I mean, than I having to wait a thing. year to claim it. I, mean, I understand that to a point. That's like, $77 yeah. right there. That means yeah. Scott Morrison is giving me 30 bucks. Yeah. And like James Packer had to go and buy some new casinos. <laughs> Going quick, end of year casino financial year sale. 
get three. But the trouble with buying the chair, you see, is that then you've got to divide up business use to personal use. You can't claim for personal use. I know. So I've got the chair in my room and sometimes I sit on the chair and I actually do some productive work. But other times, at my age, I've just got to sit down. Well, you you actually should have a logbook beside the chair. No, I'm going to. Yeah, where you log the hours. But also, again, at my age, once you've sat down, it's hard to stand up again. What I would recommend is just getting a, uh, like a business jacket that you can claim and then just leave that hanging over the back of the chair. <laughs> <laughs> and now you can double claim the chair. Always, 100%. <laughs> Who were the winners and losers of this week? Tommy Dean. Well, the big loser. I think this is hilarious. Uh, and there are uh, – the point is uh, there is a new uh, estate in MacArthur in New South Wales, a new, uh, you know, buy houses in the new okay. home in Ob- Bring your young family, and this whole new development will happen. And it's a residential development. A residential development, and it's uh, it's, it's called Gilead. Yeah. So for those Gilead. that are Gilead, which is the uh, fictional horrible state that The Handmaid's Tale <laughs> takes place in. <laughs> And the cover photo for Gilead <laughs> is a young couple with two young babies. Look how important babies and families are in Gilead. Please bring your handmaid. <laughs> now, to be fair, it's near Mount Gilead, uh, which has been there a lot longer than this joke exists. Uh, but it's but still think, hilarious. Uh, fa- fans you, of Margaret Atwood yeah, should way, not apply. Exactly. The way pop culture works. I think it would be the opposite. It would be one of those things where that's so hilarious, they're going to sell like crazy. Yeah, yeah. Take over Gilead. It would be so good. So they're the um, losers. Who's the winner? Uh, the big winner, uh, very excited about this, is uh, Scott Pruitt uh, in American politics. I rarely pay attention, but one of the greatest, most corrupt uh, EPA administrators ever is finally quit. Uh, so he's resigned. He finally just been run out. So EPA is the Environmental, the Environmental Prote- Protection yeah. Agency, yeah. Uh, and he was part of the gas industry, and he opened up fracking and then stole all the money. It's really one of the most corrupt, crazy Trump moments. But what's great about it is that he will be replaced by a guy who's equally corrupt. So well done, America. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the winners and losers? Mandy. Oh, the loser, I'd say, first is... Um Andrew Nolch, who was the comedian, I say that loosely because I think anyone mm. calls themselves a comedian um, these days if they've attempted a joke, even if it doesn't work. Um, and he he defaced um, the young girl, Eurydice Dixon's um, memorial site. And I, I thought, and, and he, 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 he defaced it. And it was a weird thing because it was part of this, this continual kind of stop blaming men, feminism. Mm. But he, he made it a stance about anti-vax. Um, we come from a town that's really big on, we've got the highest anti-vax, unvaccinated population. So I'm sort of used to the whole anti-vax thing. Um, and so that was, that was like, but maybe he was worried that, um, vaccination causes feminism. Um, (laughs) that's all I could work out. Um, and the winner, um, um, for me is the line, I think it was in South Africa, that ate two, um, rhino poachers. (laughs) They were delicious, apparently. Left their shoes. (laughs) Ellen, who were the winners and losers? Just um, quickly. Losers. Losers for me is anyone who abuses a young person at a supermarket because they can't get a free plastic yeah. bag. You're a special kind of fool if you do that. And the winner is the guy who pulled out a young girl from a burning house in Melbourne and when interviewed, they said, you know, you're a hero. That's amazing. And he said, oh, I'm glad she was only 40 kilos and not a big 100 kilo girl. <laughs> Please thank Tommy Dean. Mandy Nolan and Ellen Briggs, thanks for being part of TJF. Next week, Tommy will be back with Subby Valentine and Bridie O'Connor. Music from Opera Australia's Natalie Aaron. Until then, I'm Richard Glover, and thank God it's Friday! Yeah.